want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. James Gutman here on High Pod. I'm Dad. It is a Friday. It is the first Friday after my birthday in 2021. Thank you. I appreciate that. I know I know the check is in the mail, but I appreciate you guys coming back. I appreciate being here on a Friday. I love doing these podcasts with you. Hopefully you found me on HighPodOmDad.com, but if not, you may have found me on another streaming service. And if you did, please give a like, give a subscribe, uh, elbow drop that like button or whatever it is they say, but tell people about the podcast. Let them know. Share the wealth, uh, as the old saying goes. Tell about the blog, too. Highblogomdad.com. Both of these entities, things that I enjoy doing, things that really mean the world to me. You guys have helped me, uh, and hopefully I've helped you in different times. And this podcast here today is going to be no exception. This is going to be, um, I don't know what this is going to be, but this is definitely going to be maybe one of the most honest ones I've ever done. Uh, my head is in a, a couple of different directions. And I kind of feel like it's, it's the culmination of the year that I've had. I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie Falling Down with Michael Douglas, where he goes buck silly on everybody, goes nuts, just runs around town freaking out. There's a, a scene in that movie where Michael Douglas accidentally goes onto this gangland turf and he sits down and the gang guys come over and they're mad at him. They want him off the, off the hill and they want to take his briefcase. And I remember he smiles and you could tell by the look in his face that things are just, hmm. and he goes, um, he goes, listen, fellas, I'm having a really rare morning. And I relate so much to that line because I am having a really rare uh, year. It has been probably the most important year of my life and definitely changes that are a long time coming. Things that are the culmination of learning things about me, about my, myself and those around me. A lot of different things happening. And even now, as we start to kind of wrap things up, getting to the end of a, a lot of the anticipation, a lot of the things that I've been dealing with, you know, I keep thinking about the quote that is originally from Winston Churchill. And it sounds sophisticated when you say, you know, to quote Winston Churchill. But I got to be honest, I'm doing an honest podcast here. I heard it from Jake the Snake Roberts in 1991 before his match against Randy the Macho Man Savage, the one where he had the snake bite his arm on USA Network. Yes, the one the one where he had the snake bite his arm on USA. He didn't see it. Uh, anyway, Jake the Snake looks at the camera and he says, you know, uh, Miss Elizabeth, you know, I used to do that scary Jake the Snake voice. He goes, this is not the end. This is not the beginning. This is not even the beginning of the end yet. It's the end of the beginning. And I was obsessed with that line in 1991. And I've thought about it. And here today, 2021, um, holy cow, 30 years later, that quote means everything to me right now because that's where I'm at. I'm at the end of the beginning. And that's to state that 
I'm not at a point where things are starting. I'm not at a point where things are ending. And I'm not at the point where we're getting ready for the finale. I'm finishing off the first half of what I feel was my life that I don't want to live that way anymore. And I don't want to be that person anymore. And I said before, it's been a culmination of a lot of things in my life. My life has been unique, not necessarily harder than somebody else's, not, you know, some crazy, crazy thing. I mean, it's got craziness in it. And I'm sure there's going to be people out there who have things much crazier than me and we can have a big misery contest. I'm more miserable than you. You know, I'm more miserable than you. And we can keep going until we find the most miserable guy in the world living in a hole somewhere, you know, just having, you know, fire ants thrown on his face. That guy's the winner. He wins. You're the most miserable. Congratulations. And he doesn't even have Facebook, so we can't even compare and contrast to him. Uh, So I don't really want to be the most miserable person in the world. And I'm not trying to beat anybody, but I'm telling you, I had a unique life, especially as a kid, both in my house, outside my house, all sorts of things around me. Very unique, very different. And when you're a kid and you're going through different things, I guess you can say, you start to assume that everybody is going through those things. You don't think you're unique, no matter what Mr. Rogers says. He goes on TV and he tells you, you're all special, you're all unique. And you go, that's right, Mr. Rogers, I'm special, but you don't know what the hell that means. You think that everybody's doing what you're doing. If you live in a house where every day at three o'clock in the afternoon, like, you know, someone takes a hamster and throws it against the wall, you start to assume that every house has a 3 p.m. hamster throw. And then you grow up and you eventually meet people and you go, hey, what time do you guys throw the hamster? Three? And they're like, what the hell are you talking about? And you're like, oh, that's weird. And that's how you learn. That's how I learned a lot of stuff in my own life was like that. I started to meet people and you get out and you find things out. And I did. I I dealt with these things. And as I got older, not only did I learn things about my life, but I started to take the hits that life had to offer. And I had friends go, both you know, physically walk away and pass away. Good friends, best friends. Chris, Patrick, Matt, different people that I cared about. Some of them I was talking to at the time. Some of them I wasn't talking to at the time. Some of them it had been years since I saw them. But I started to feel the stinging pain of that loss. You know, and even if you haven't talked to somebody, I hadn't talked to Patrick, the best man at my wedding, for a couple of years when he had passed away. I tried to, I thought about it, I reached out to him. I think I've talked about this before. And then when he died, not only did it erase the opportunity that I had in the future to one day rectify this issue with him and reconnect, but now all the memories that I had made with him were just mine. There were my stories to tell. I could make them any way I want. I didn't have somebody else there to laugh along with me. I had already experienced this years earlier with my friend Chris who passed away. And we had all these stories that what got me was they weren't the kind of stories that you tell people in a, in a sad, memorable way. They were like really gritty kind of, we were kind of, you know, nuts, you know, so our stories weren't, weren't really happy, happy, joy, joy stories, but they were just mine and it sucked. And I, I took that with me. And I felt it. And that was hard. And to be honest with you guys, when that happened, when I lost him, when I lost different people, every time I lost somebody, it, it cut me a little bit more. And especially when, when he passed away, which was you know in the early 2000s, it changed how I approached the world. I felt weird about making friends. I felt weird about keeping in contact with friends. I felt like people were disposable. What was the point? Why meet people when they're probably just going to go? It sucked. And I started to change my life a little bit. And I kind of became a little more closed off. And I started to make decisions 
throughout my life, not just then, but you know, before then, around then, my whole life was always a repeating cycle of personalities that came in and out of my life. And I resented this notion, especially when I went to therapy and I talked to my therapist about it. And he's like, well, it repeats. You know, if you, if you have an issue when you're a kid, you're going to repeat that issue as an adult. You're going to bring those same people into your life. I started to get mad. I'm like, how could you blame me? It's like I'm being blamed for these people who are doing me wrong because I had been done wrong. As I got older, I had, I had familial issues, uh, you know, both with my family and then, you know, you have these other people, you consider them family and then you have the exact same issues with them. You're like, what the hell's going on? Crazy stuff starts to happen and you start to wonder, how is this happening? And it wasn't my fault in that I was bringing these people in knowing that they were the same. It was that my fault in that red flags aren't red flags if you don't know they're red flags. And if you're brought up thinking that you throw the hamster at three o'clock in the afternoon, you're going to grow up and you're going to meet somebody who throws a hamster at three o'clock in the afternoon and you're going to gravitate to that person and not know that it's nuts and you shouldn't be there. And I was there watching hamsters and everything else just splatter against the wall day after day after day, shutting myself out from the world. And I did that a lot. I, I worked from home for a long time. Um, you know, and I, I worked occasionally outside the house. I worked for a gym. I worked for, you know, uh, Orange Theory Fitness for a little while. I worked for a, a, a whacked out power tool company. A couple of outside the house jobs. But for the most part, I wrote. I sat in my office and I, I wrote books. I wrote about pro wrestling every Monday. I wrote, you know, JG's Raw Insanity. I did podcasts before they were podcasts. Back in 2003, 2004, I was doing audio podcasts. I was doing these things, writing for magazines. And a lot of this stuff was me, myself keeping to myself, keeping away from people. And as time went on, I didn't, I didn't really want to do that anymore. And as I started to evolve, and especially when my kids were born, things really started to change. My daughter changed my life. She was amazing. She still is amazing. She's my blood relative. She meant the world to me. Long after I stopped talking to my, my natural blood relatives. Yeah. All of them. I had her. She was the best thing that I had ever done. And three years later, I did it again with my son. Two best people I ever met in my life. And they were my creations. I brought them here into my world. And I love them both. And my son, as you guys know, is nonverbal, has autism. And that's something that I struggled with especially early on. Initially, I struggled with it. I couldn't say it out loud. I couldn't talk about it to people. I couldn't even address it. I talked about going to this you know, uh, music together class. I was the one who would take him to the music together. And it was me and all these moms. And even as he started to become bigger than the other kids and yet wasn't participating, he was trying to run out the room and was laying on the floor and putting his face against the linoleum. And people were looking at me like, what is he doing? And I couldn't answer because not only wasn't I ready to say he had autism yet, I didn't even know he had autism yet. I didn't know what was going on. And people would ask me questions. You know, How does he like school? Does he tell you about school? And you want to choke this woman. And I go, lady, he doesn't say a damn word. I struggled with this and I played a lot of Call of Duty and I kept myself in that basement, in that office, door closed, doing my thing. And then in 2016, I wrote about it. I was tired of writing about pro wrestling. I had aged out of it, I guess you could say. I love it. I watch it. But what happened was I've been writing about professional wrestling since 2002. And the jokes that I made in 2002, I was making again in, in 2010 and then again in 2015. And it was always about 
the same stuff. And it was the same jokes and the same observations that kept happening over and over again for a new generation. And I started to feel like I was just yelling down an echo chamber. I wasn't in the business. I was basically writing about someone else's art, which is what I felt wrestling was. I felt like people were creating characters and stories and telling them on TV. And it was my job just to critique it. And I was not only taking the fun away from people watching and from the people creating it, but from myself, I didn't want to do it anymore. And I struggled. I didn't know where to go with it. And I was actually at the point where I was going to do a YouTube show about wrestling. And I was dreading it as I did it. And I even bought all the supplies. I bought a green screen. I bought a video. I bought all this stuff to do it. And I didn't want to do it. And on a Hail Mary, I wrote about Lucas on my old site, which doesn't even exist anymore. I took it down. I figured, you know, in, in the cancel culture, maybe it's not a good idea to have random jokes that you made from 15 years ago that haven't been vetted just floating around. But I wrote about him for that site, called it My Son Lucas. And I told the world about him. And I braced myself for the, the cruel response that I've gotten in my life for different things that I've done. And I didn't get that. I got love and I got support. And I got people who really related and cared writing to me. And from that was born High Blog on Dad. I got the strength to do it. And you guys were a big part of that. The fact that I could go out there and write these things and know that I wasn't going to be judged and to know that people were going to be helped by it, it meant, it really meant everything to me. It meant everything to me. It meant everything to my son. And if you go back and you read some of the old blogs, you can kind of see how it's affected my attitude and my approach to him and just me in general. And I got a lot of pushback for that from some people in the beginning. People didn't think I should do it. Aren't you going to run out of things to write about? All sorts of things, you know? A lot of what I did back then didn't matter to people. I didn't have a lot of support. I'd write a book. No one cared. There were no parties for my book. No confetti from the ceiling. Nobody cared. And, I, and after a while, I didn't care. I felt like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. And this podcast and this blog helped me discover what I was supposed to be doing. It helped me become who I am. and helped me change my personality and change my outlook and kind of be more positive to what was going on around me. My birthday just passed. And as you guys know, a lot of this has to do with the fact that I am going through now the final stages of a divorce. I've moved out of my house in January. I have my kids here half the week and I struggled with that. And I know that people had asked me if I was okay. And I know some of my blog posts were a little bit um, sullen. And the fact of the matter is half the week, it, it's weird. It's weird to be a bachelor. It's weird to be in a house where it's just me. I've never lived alone ever. I went right from growing up to college. I had a, I had a single dorm room by myself for less than like five months. Other than that, I, I lived with, you know, other people the whole time. Never was by myself. And now I am. This year, not only was I by myself, but I had COVID. So for 10 days, I was completely alone, completely shut out. It was the weirdest thing I ever experienced. So I've been kind of learning things as I'm going and um, about myself and about who I am and realizing who I should be and what I should do. I had never had free time for me. Up until now, since my kids were born, every free moment was really spent with these kids. And you can tell from my blogs and from the pictures that we've taken, we spent all of our time together. And when they're here, I try to spend all my time with them. And I try to do everything I can for my son but I, and for my daughter too, but I don't have them here all week. I don't have them here the whole time. And it's been a big, a big change for me. 
but I'm accepting it and I'm learning it and I'm trying to figure out who I am. I actually wrote a blog post about this long before everything was starting to come together, before a lot of the wheels were in motion, but when I kind of knew where we were headed. My situation that I'm going through right now had a lot of foreshadowing to it, a lot of foreshadowing to it. And the kind of thing where I, I think deep down, I was always aware of where I was going to end up, but I kept trying to ignore it, I kept trying to push past it, I kept telling myself it would be a failure to be here right now. Kept telling myself that, you know, you have to keep trying, got to keep doing whatever you can, not, not to end up alone half the week somewhere. It wasn't until now that I realized that didn't, doesn't make you a failure. Sometimes it's what needs to be done. But I had written a blog post and it was called, I don't know who I am without my kids. And it was about learning who I am when I'm not being a father, because so much of who I was and my personality and my identity was wrapped up in fatherhood. Even this blog, it's all about fatherhood. It's about who I am. And that's been an adjustment that I had to deal with. Um, one of the things, too, that got me from the divorce, I guess you could say, is even going through my first birthday after it became public knowledge that this was happening and seeing the people that you lose. As I said before, I don't talk to my family. And because of that, I, I adopted other people as family members many of which are gone um, quicker than I expected too. You know, I think a part of me was always like, well, maybe this can still be this way or that. No, you don't tell people how it's going to be. They tell you, you know, you can't force a relationship. Just because you want to have things be a certain way. doesn't mean that everyone's going to go along and do that. And a lot of them didn't. Some of them were, were gone before I even had a chance to know what happened. And it hurt. I dealt with that a lot. And I would go on, even on Facebook, and just look at people and be like, you know, this person going to say hello to me or like my thing? I don't know. If you guys are listening to this and you don't know this fact already or you're one of the people that I'm talking about here, I'm going to make something clear that you might not know. People can see who looks at their Instagram and their Facebook stories. Yeah. So I could see who's looking at my Facebook stories. And I would see those people, these names from the past, these ghosts of my life, who are looking every single day at the pictures that I post and at the stories that I write and aren't liking one of them publicly. And it would bother me. It bugs me. People that I didn't get, people who I had been nice to. And when I talk about being nice to them, you have to remember whatever link that I had through my past life, my past life that I was in, living in that basement, all that other stuff, that was 20 years. I wasn't there for five years. So these are relationships that I've had with people since I was in my 20s and they disappeared, you know? And I dealt with that and it annoyed me. And then my birthday came and I was tired of feeling that way. And a lot of people got wished into the cornfield on my birthday. A lot of clipped out. And normally I don't do that. Normally I'm, I, I try everything I can not to cut people out and not to unfriend and all this other stuff. But I just felt like the right thing to do. It felt like the healthy thing to do, to just move on. Um, I felt disposable. And I'm not used to a disposable life with people. And it's hard to kind of deal with that. And throughout all of this, throughout all of this, you know, kind of feeling bad for yourself and, um, you know, wondering, you know, what do I do to this person? Why, why is this person choosing a side? I'm not making anyone choose sides. Not thinking about, like I said before, relationships aren't just yours to decide. So even if I'm not making people choose sides, maybe somebody else is, maybe somebody feels like they have to choose sides. I have nothing to do with it. I don't care. Be, do whatever you want. Kumbaya. You know, but maybe it's not what it's about. But at the end of the day, people go where they go. They move to where they go. So 
throughout all of this, throughout all of this, you know, downtrodden, how do I feel today kind of feeling, um, I emerged from it. And I told myself today that my life begins right now. Everything starts right now and we're going forward. It's the end of the beginning. And tomorrow is a new day. And I'm ready to take my time that half the week where it's just me and even the other half when it's not and do everything I can and everything I'm supposed to do to be the person that I've always supposed to be, the person that I'm meant to be and the person that I want to be. I don't want to shut myself out from everybody anymore. And I don't want to you know, feel bad about who I am. I want to celebrate the things that I do, the positive things that I have. If I have an, an article get written somewhere, if I'm published on Yahoo or you know one of these websites, I want to celebrate that. If I get offered you know, work that I feel is rewarding and helpful to the world, I want to do it. I want to tell people about it and I want to celebrate it. I want to be proud of myself. And I want to do things that make me proud. And I'm going to do that. And that's where I am today. That's how I feel today. I feel good. I feel ready. And I feel proud. And every single person listening to this right now, whether you're listening to it the day it goes up or you're listening to it a week from now, or whether somebody was like, yo, did you hear the guy that unfriended you? He was talking about you. If that's you, listen to this. Every single person listening to this was involved in this for me. And it's important for me to make that clear. Because nobody is an island. I tried to be. For a long time, I was an island floating alone in the basement. And I'm not that island anymore. I don't know, man. I feel like, uh, I don't know, I'm like, I'm like a girl at the club, two o'clock in the morning, you know, chipping her face off, standing on the bar, like, you know, I'm gonna soar, you know, I'm gonna swing from the chandelier. Yeah. I am. I'm going to swing from the chandelier. Thank you guys for all you've done. And thank you for making really just everything uh, crystal clear. Thank you for accepting me when I first wrote about my son. Thank you for accepting me when I wrote about my daughter. And thank you for giving me something to be proud of and something that I know I should be proud of. Something that I don't have to look to others to validate. And something that even as people go away, and even as people leave my life, I know that the people who are worth it and the people who are meant to be here are here. And above all else, the one who's meant to be here the most is me. And that does it for me. Thank you, guys. Until next time, this is James Gutman saying be well. Bye, pod. I'm Dad.